Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. Tommy and I have picked our episodes of Justice League Action and DuckTales, we've watched them, gathered our thoughts, and now it's time to go over them and see whether or not we've brought the other one around. Thanks for listening. All right, let's get into it. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. All right. So you've probably heard Tommy and I over the past few weeks talk about selecting episodes for us to watch. This is what's happening there. Tommy is a huge fan of Justice League action. I'm a fan of the new DuckTales. We arranged a deal in an attempt to bring the other one around that I would select five DuckTales episodes and he would select five Justice League action episodes and we would compare notes. Where do Frank and Clifton fit in for all this? They're already fans for both shows, so they can help build a case for both shows. We announced which episodes we were going to watch in a previous episode, but we'll announce those again right now. Tommy, do you want to tell the audience which episodes you selected? Yeah, sure. Um, in order of how they were aired, or at least how they um, <laughs> appeared on Hulu, I reviewed or looked at or chose episode 5, Timeshare, episode 6, Repulse, episode 14, Timeout, episode 19, The Brain Buster, and then episode 25, Captain Bamboozle. And keeping up with the Kryptonians, right? Yeah, and keeping up with the Kryptonians. That's the same episode. Because your show is shorter. We did six for you, actually, and then we did five for me. So for DuckTales, I did from season one, I did episode three, The Great Dime Chase. Episode six, The House of Lucky Gander. Episode 20, Sky Pirates in the Sky. And then for season two, I did episode six, Last Christmas. And episode nine, The Outlaw Scrooge McDuck. So um, before we get into all the episodes, uh, Tommy and I, you, we both kind of had like um, we prepared statements that sort of like pleading our cases of uh, why we were hesitant to give these shows a try initially. So do you want to go first, Tommy? Yeah, sure. Oh, the reason why I didn't watch DuckTales, because I felt it was like a grand Hollywood or excuse me, a Broadway production of an 80s cartoon. I didn't think it needed all the uh, bells and whistles of uh, guests or celebrity uh, actors and actresses. In order to make it better, even with the intro, it's just what well, I felt was a Broadway production of the intro. What originally created it could have been something different. It didn't have to be exactly the same or punched up to a higher level. So based upon what I saw earlier, how it was presented to me, I didn't care. I've seen all the original Ducktail episodes. I know what it produced. Um, I'm good. I didn't need to have a reimagination of what was already shown to me. So I decided not to watch it based upon what I thought about it initially. Okay. And for me, so why I didn't go to Justice League action. So first of all, I want to say I'm a huge DC fan, especially in animation. If you watched our previous like March Madness cartoon tournament, you'll see how I voted on that. It's, it was a lot in favor for DC. I was excited when Justice League action was first announced. The idea of a sampler platter for the DC universe where we're going to show you uh, a ton of different characters all in uh, one space. What I was hesitant about was I didn't like the light tone necessarily. I like when a show has a flexible tone, but this seemed to be so skewing in the way of comedy. And that was a bit jarring for me, especially with a show with the title, like action it's called just like action. And for me, like the least important aspect in everything I heard was the action itself. Right. And so for me, something like that, it should feel a little bit more like bombastic, should be more kinetic energy, should be more something like Samurai Jack, where the choreography is important, something like 
not tonally, but but something like John Wick or or Mad Max Fury Road, where where like they really up uh, the action scenarios, and um, and so that was why I was hesitant to go along with Justice League action. So okay, so with that said, let's get into the first one. We're going to start with Justice League action. So we are going to go with Timeshare. No, well, I kind of figured that you liked uh, Blue Beetle, and you're a huge Batman fan. So I figured, uh, uh like it was like a buddy cop type of um episode in which both of them had the um uh set aside the differences oh no no excuse me it's more still no 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 it's more like rookie cop veteran cop in which one of them was shown the way i figured that you would like it because it was a strong batman episode yeah it felt that way to me a little bit i'm like okay he's he's going right for the batman stuff to start off yeah um which it worked uh this is a fun one i was impressed with these are 11 minute shorts and I was impressed sort of at the idea that you actually had a strong like A and B plot for this. And I was impressed that they got that in, 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 in 11 minutes. Yeah. I had not seen this one before. I'd watched some of the justice league action shows, but I had not seen a whole lot of their episodes. They were kind of hard to find. I feel like on cartoon network when they ran, I remember it being like early Saturday morning sometimes, but uh, yeah, so I just watched this one probably when you did to get ready for this show. And I did like a lot of the nods that they gave to like original Batman, the animated series, like the, the bit where he's does his pose of the, I am vengeance. I am the night in front of the red sky and all that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I like this one. Um, I mostly like it because it gave us Kronos and Kronos really is the villain that we get a lot of in the animated stuff. You may see him in the background or something, but he's really, you know, push the forefront in this. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. I mean, I like this one too. And I, I thought this one started out really, really cool. Like I liked sort of like just from a filmmaking standpoint, like I thought this one like made me wrong about all my thoughts about the action. I thought that they did use some cool angles and they did try and like get some excitement out of you in the first early goings of this episode. And th- this has a lot of like callbacks to Batman, the animated series. And I did get a little bit of a kick out of the pose thing, but I was also a little bit like, why is this here? Like what's his motivation for doing that? Aside from it being, being a, um, you know, a homage, an Easter egg there and everything. And then when you get to the end of the episode, like you understand, like, like, you know, it's set up for a punchline, but that was, that was kind of the one criticism I had for that episode is I wish that they kind of gave him more of a reason to do that. pose. It was a fun, it was a fun bit. It was a fun bit after he couldn't get the grappling hook up to the, the high enough. Yeah. I mean, and um, I, I really did like the, the freezing time bit that Kronos was doing and how uh, he can see kind of like a few seconds ahead and he could nullify Batman that way. But I liked that Batman like nullified it with smoke pellets so he couldn't actually see him physically. I thought that, right. that, was, that was a nice bit. I was impressed with this one. It, st- it started off pretty, pretty good, I thought. Tommy, any last thoughts? Oh no! I knew you're gonna love this. I I, I kind of figured that you didn't see this one because you wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, is this something that it hit all the marks as far as what it gave you? And you, I I knew the whole you like those buddy cop movies too, so that played into it as well. And plus, I don't think you've ever bear witness to uh, Kronos being a um actual uh was I don't, has he ever been animated? Frank, do you recall him ever being animated ever? I, like, I tried to think about it. I thought the only place I really saw him, like, again, it's like in the background of maybe Unlimited. Okay. 
That might be he's, he's, in the, he's in the Batman Beyond, the once in future thing. The Batman, be, uh, not the Batman, the um, Ray just like unlimited two parter. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. like he's the main villain in that one. Yeah. Okay. No, I forgot about that. Also, is, yeah. he, in, is he in Brave and the Bold? That I'm yeah, I think he's in teasers in Brave Brave and the Bold. I think I think he's in, I think he may be in the first episode actually. Mm. To be yeah, honest, because to me, I got more of a Clock King feel from him in this as opposed to um those other incarnations. Right. Yeah, that's why. I, I figure it was derivative of Clock King because it reminded me of uh, the animated series as opposed to um, um, the Brave and the Bold or um, Justice League. Gotcha. Okay. All right, let's move on. So our first DuckTales episode, we're going to do season one, episode three, The Great Dime Chase. So I picked this one because this is the first episode that I saw of DuckTales that really, really impressed me. So I won't say too much more. I want to I want to hear what Tommy has to say about it. Uh, I did uh, coming as the first episode off the uh, the intro. I thought it was just I don't know. It felt it just felt like it just tried to hit marks or make you remember this is Ducktales that you saw earlier. Like with it was the introduction of Gyro as and his little helper friend, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. It just felt like they're rehashing something that I've already seen just to make it more trendy, which I didn't care for. It, it kind of dropped me out of it a bit. I kind of knew where it was going, even though um, there was a little bit of twist or lead into other things as well, especially the introduction of um, the idea of Gyro always making killer robots, which is kind of funny because that's exactly what he did in the first series. But you never really, never really thought about it because it was just episode of the week or you know villain of the evening or whatever you want to call it but it was damn near spot on and it's uh, recollection of gyro always creating a villainous robot that they eventually had to stop I, I thought that was very clever but i didn't think it hit too many um high points when i watched it. interesting okay so like you are surprising me because you are completely talking about the angle about it that doesn't impress me the most about this episode. What impresses me the most is like, this is a Louie episode. This is completely a Louie episode. And I really like the mythology that starts to be built around Scrooge's number one dime. Okay. But they didn't really get into, it. I mean, they started, but to me, it's, it's again, I've seen it already as far as <laughs> what they introduced in the first series. I thought it was going to be something different and not something that they pulled from the old series. So as soon as they mentioned the number one dime, I get it. I know what it encompasses. I know why it's important. I'll give you that. Louis being the um his personality, them introducing that they're all different and they all have their own special quirks as opposed to the original, that was different. But everything they introduced in the episode, I was like, yeah, okay, let's get it. To me, I felt like I just wanted them to get to it and move past it instead of remind me of what I saw uh, 20, 30 years ago. Right. So this is the thing. I will say this. I did not watch a lot of original DuckTales at all, but I think that this is one of the things that the new one does really, really well. Is like you said, I think the nephews all have very distinct personalities, which you don't get to see all of them in this one, but you get to see Louie very, very much in this one, and you also get to see Dewey a little bit. This is one of the episodes where Huey's not in. But what I liked about this one is I liked sort of his way of teaching Louie hard work and how a dime means so much more to you when you've worked hard for it and earned it yourself. And that's really the big selling point of this episode for me. Okay. I could see that, you know? Yeah. I like this one. I mean, I'm always, you know, 
I watching the original and, and looking at some of the comics, I've always liked uh, Gyro. I like the character quite a bit, so I was it was cool to see him in this one. And then the idea of like, but I also sort of sort of lean towards what Tommy is saying: the idea that you know, once you hear the once there's mention of a diamond in the Scrooge story, you know what's going on. So it's kind of like, all right, well, I know what this I know what this is all about. Okay, well, let me add into one thing too. Totally forgot Gyro, his character. I prefer the old one. And this one, he's a bit of a jerk in which he's, I mean, they're wrong. It's, it's Jim Rash, but uh, instead of fun-loving Jim Rash, it's jerk. <laughs> I know everything. Shut up and let me finish talking, Jim Rash. That's nothing that pulled me like away Mike from Like Mike Tyson it. Mysteries. Yes. Like Mike Tyson. Isn't, yeah, he, isn't like he Marcus? The, yeah, yes. the gentleman goes. Yeah, he's yeah. Marcus. Yes, Marcus. That's what he's more closest to. It, it reminded me of, yeah, exactly. It reminded me of more of Marcus from uh, Mike Tyson Mysteries. So, yeah, I didn't like Gyro's uh, new personality either. I like the crazy, carefree inventor as opposed to the I'm the smartest man in the room, so you better listen to me. Let me do what I do. Right. No, I don't mind this take. I, I think he's funny in this, and I don't mind this this take on the character. The stuff I liked about this episode was actually the other stuff, which is was the Dewey Webby stuff, because like where the it did touch on a lot of the old stuff with the Lucky Dime and all that. There was the new plot about what happened to their mother that is new to the series, and this did advance that a little bit. So I do. That's what stands out to me about this episode. What I remember from it was when it was just adding some more pieces to the new mystery. Yeah, that is altogether new. It never. I don't think I've ever ever heard in any Disney cartoon um, Donald ever mentioned what happened to their mother. I mean, ever. You just knew there was his nephews, but you at no, never at any point you felt that she needed to be mentioned. So I guess that mystery by adding it in felt original in that vein. Yeah, it's definitely something we hadn't seen, especially in any of the other cartoons before. Yeah. I'm slightly familiar with some of the old comics, but I don't know if it ever came up in the old like Carl Barks, then Don Rosa stuff. Yeah, no. I don't know if it does either. No, it it I, not that I recall. At least not in that vein. At least even the character itself. Like we hear of Daisy, but we don't hear anybody other any other female counterpart or even mention to Donald other than Scrooge McDuck or family member for that matter. And I mean, that, but that's what I really liked about this. Show. I mean, this is only the third episode, and already you got like the laying the groundwork for the dime. You got the laying the groundwork for the mother you get an, an idea of sort of the relationships that are building like i was really impressed with how much this episode does as far as setup for what the rest of the show goes does that make sense mm -hmm. no i get it but also i get it from the point that you've never seen the original correct like not yeah, not much of it yeah not much of it. i was a fox kids guy i wasn't a disney afternoon guy yeah no i mean this one this I think I want to say it preceded it a little bit prior to Fox. I'm not sure if it happened at the same token or at least the height of Fox cartoons. This happened a little bit before then, I want to say, but I'm not quite sure. I'd have to look at that as far as the dating goes. But it's just it, it all it, it just touched points with me on something that I didn't think could uh, uh, get wider from that. Like at no point did I ever take too many of the Disney um, lineup that seriously. Uh, at least not on the level of what they're presenting now with um, Disney XD. But again, I just I've, I just felt that it didn't need a star-studded uh, cast of all the voices. 
because I love the original and the original didn't have um all these celebrity voices. It had, in fact, they had a lot of people that were always with Disney doing their voice acting. Well, that's just how things were done back then. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you're right. And we actually have a Scottish person playing Scrooge now, which <laughs> I think is really cool. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so let's move on. So Justice League Action, Repulse, Season 1, Episode 6. Okay, Repulse. I chose this one because I always like a good Superman story. I always like to see um, how he um, interacts with Luthor, their take on Luthor. But me, I love this one because, well, honestly, I love it, but I really enjoyed this one. I thought you enjoyed it, too, because it just the action for every Luthor episode we got. He was the smartest man in the room, unquestionably. And in this one, it shows uh, uh, something that it takes uh, a unique aspect of his power. It flips on himself based upon Luthor's ingenuity. I thought you might like that. Yeah, so, okay, so I have to confess that this was actually one of the ones that I had seen before. Also, I did watch a couple episodes of Just League Action here and there. I did see this one before. First of all, I'll say from, like, a production standpoint, I really, really love the Wonder Woman design in the show. I really, really love it. Um, I believe this was designed by Shane Glines. I think he was the uh, the main designer on yeah, the show, he which was, he's awesome. You know, he's, he's lead, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's Batman Animated Series alum and stuff like that. I have a love hate relationship with the Superman design. I think that it, the parts of it are really cool. And it does remind me a little bit of, um, kind of like how, what's his name? Balthazar, uh, art Balthazar draws him a little bit, which I like, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like I've never seen anybody make the new 52 costume, like work worse than this design. <laughs> like, like it, it looks terrible. I, I absolutely, I think the design, I think the costume looks so awful here, but anyway, but on to the story. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this one a lot, actually. Um, I thought, I thought the setup was interesting. And again, like, this is a cool one that like impressed me with how much they did in a short amount of time. Lex is a little funny to me in the sense that he's both the smartest man in the room and kind of bumbling at the same time. Or not bumbling, but like he's very jokey. Yeah, he doesn't take himself as. I mean, I, I I can see that, but I think it comes back to what you said with the comedic tones of the show. It it at the same time he's, I guess, a point of self destructive towards himself, or at least a, a tongue in cheek type of. Uh, it's just a hairstyle. What being a mustache twirling villain, hmm. like a uh, uh, dick dastardly, but just not a as slick. Maybe in his voice, but not his uh, his actions. That's that's why I see it as. I don't, again, I like the comedic tones to it. The same thing that you don't enjoy about it, but I thought it was just a light tone to it that we've never seen. Into, oh, actually, we have seen in that in the DC universe. That's what Brave and the Bold. I think it tried to repeat a lot of what they thought they were doing there. So right. I kind of I kind of felt that way with this show. Yeah, and I and I absolutely love Brave and the Bold because it's that. I just think there's something weird with the balance in this show. I think we're like, it tries to be dramatic and everything at times. And it tries to be, and it tries to also like cram as many jokes as you can get in 11 minutes. And I just think the tone gets really strange in this show. And I think like Lex as a character is kind of a perfect embodiment of that. We're like, they want to play him like the megalomaniacal, like, you know, strategist, but at the same time, almost everything out of his mouth is a joke. And 
you know, and I hate to say stuff like this, but you know what? Like James Woods, who I adored as Owlman in Crisis on Two Earths, I don't really like him as Lex in this. I really don't. Okay. You know, but this was a very tight story, and I really liked how how like layered Lex's plan was. Like I said, in eleven minutes, it's impressive. I just thought it was a clever display of Lex. I don't think we've ever seen a Lex that scientific in a lot of um, what we've seen previously. Like he's he's always a schemer. Don't get me wrong, but never on this level of science. I think this is the first time I've actually seen Lex as a super scientist as opposed to a top-notch villain or a leader villain like uh, in, in previous incarnations he's the leader of the pack in which he manipulates everyone in the room and tells them what they need to do to get the job done and it's always one thing that he's thought about and that he pushes forward but this is like again super science level type of villainy that i enjoy frank clifton i like this one i agree with you uh Zach, and I'm not real sure how I feel about him as, as Luthor. Sometimes I think it works, and sometimes I think it's kind of jarring when I hear his voice come out of Luthor. It's a little too much. I'm impressed with myself. You know, I don't, I'm not saying Lex wouldn't be that way, but sometimes I think the read's a little funny on it. I think James Woods certainly is that way. Right, no, of course. I would consider the source, but uh, I, I just think it's one of those things where I'm like, ah, eh, you know, I, I did like him as Alman. I thought he was great as Alman too, but as Lex, I'm really not sure. Uh, from a design standpoint, I really like the Wonder Woman design. I hate the Superman 52 onesie. I, feel like I, I never will come around on that. I think it looks silly, not having something to break it up. They're, they're perfectly okay in that show to have Supergirl have the red to break up the, 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 you know, the blue, but Superman can't have the trunks, which is kind of silly. Speaking of designs, I really don't like that Hawkman design at all. I really think it's kind of I guess they're going for more of a militaristic Thanagar thing, but it doesn't work for me at all. He, he, the fact that Hawkman was in there, it was interesting to me because on one hand, it's cool seeing him. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that, like that's the strength of the show too, is that like you can get the obscure lesser known characters, but this is also one, like, I didn't think it needed him. Right. You know, well, also, also the other thing I don't like, that's the one with the, the, that starts with the date, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. All. I don't, that's the other thing is that the New 52 influenced the idea that... That's what I was going to bring up. That's yeah. what I was about to bring up. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can just say I don't like it and you can take it, Clifton. Go ahead. No, no, it's a good segue in to, to my bit. But yeah, I was going to bring up that, like, again, that was where their New 52, like, you could tell when they were making this and, and what their influences were. And, like, I never liked the Wonder Woman Superman dating. It just always felt weird to me. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, like, I do like the episode and, and like I'll accept it for this in this home situation. But it was one of those things where I was watching it and was like, oh, like this is like this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I did enjoy it. And, and yeah, this was one where I was like, yeah, this is a lot of stuff happening in 11 minutes. Like this is a good, solid, full story. Yeah, I think it's one yeah. of those. Ep- I think it's one of those episodes on revisiting years from now. It's going to be you're, you're going to like you said, you, it, it's going to be very rooted in a time at D.C that I don't think is going to be, you know, obviously it's thing that lasts or lasted. So. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to put forth the idea that I didn't like about that. I didn't like it. I do like this episode and, and I'm with you guys too. I don't like Superman and Wonder Woman together either, but what cracked me up in the beginning is that the two of them are sitting there on a date with each other and they're talking essentially about how undesirable they are to the, to the <laughs> yeah. people that normally date them. And I'm like, it's yeah. Superman and Wonder Woman. 
Right. And I'm like, really? Like Steve Trevor? Steve yeah. Trevor like doesn't think you're hot and doesn't want to get doesn't want to be with you. Well, I mean, he he liked Wonder Woman. He just didn't like Diana Prince. That right. was the bit. And Lois <laughs> like Superman, but not Clark. Yeah, that's that's what made it's it. It's a funny. solid. It's a solid bit. Yeah, I liked it for that too. It's it 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 plays with it, but that um, but like what uh, Frank was saying earlier, it's a um, it's a snapshot of what they're doing in DC, which I kind of enjoyed. Not so much that I cared for their pairing. But I like the fact that they're actually going to the comics directly in order to pull the idea as opposed to doing their own thing, which is what we normally see. That's why I like it for. But there are better comics to pull from. <laughs> no, I no, I get that. But I think they're trying to mainstream cer- certain ideas in order to um, bring people around to the comics in animated form. And not to say that I care to see them together, but the fact that they're actually pulling from current ideas as opposed to just rehashing their ideas of what they think it should be is kind of the different part of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, let's move on. House of Lucky Gander, episode six from season one of DuckTales. So, uh, Tommy, I'll just let you go. Oh, <laughs> on this one? Yeah. The, the, uh, uh, gosh, where could I start with this one? Uh, I'll give it, um, again, Fent, I'm not, it's not Fence. I'm trying to think of the name of the duck. <sighs> Gladstone Gander. Thank you. Gladstone Gander. His introduction basically the luckiest duck in the world in which he doesn't need to work hard at all. But what, what the weirder part of this is I never thought Donald was the unluckiest duck in creation. This is weird to me. I mean, they, they just doubled down on the worst thing ever for Donald, <laughs> which I found kind of felt sorry for him up until the end where they say family's what makes him great. Uh, but it's just, I, I like the world hop. I like the different environments. But I just didn't care for Donald being that terrible. I mean, <laughs> it's like he walked into a place or a casino and everything he touched turned to bad luck. I, I, I get certain in, uh, instances in which he gets bad luck, but not on that level. I mean, it, it's almost like suicidal level. Why would you breathe <laughs> a, a, or breathe another life in this world if you're that unlucky to the point of it injuring you on that level? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not saying that that I don't disagree in the sense that I never also thought that Donald was that unlucky. But even though I didn't watch a lot of the original DuckTales, I did watch a lot of the like Golden Age animation Disney stuff and a lot of the, the Donald Duck shorts there and seeing Donald's temper and seeing how stuff doesn't go his way a lot in those cartoons. Like I could I could easily buy this take. I could go very easily to the like, OK, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but I, I can I, I get Donald's anger, but the same Donald I grew up on did like what the three caballeros in which he's fun loving, easy going and patient. Oh, my gosh. He, he he broke several blood vessels. I think he was more red than white the whole episode. It, it was just it was crazy, Donald. It, it was it was Donald's a jerk or. But I but what, one thing I did like was the cleverness of Scrooge in which the subtleness that he's the smartest man in the room without pointing out stuff. Like he doesn't have to get approval from his family to know that it's going to go his way. And he just lets it unfold in front of him is, is how it ended. But geez, Donald just appended. I was like, wow, Donald, um, <laughs> gosh, you live a terrible life. It's just, it's, it's, you're lucky to have kids or people that will trust you with kids at all. Because if he was that lucky, there's no way in anything I leave my nephews with him because he'd probably have them killed just by being in proximity to him. 
what do you guys say? Um, I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I, I see what Tommy's saying, and I kind of agree with the idea that, you know, I don't see Donald as hapless. I see him as more like he's, you know, he's prone to getting angry pretty easily. That was always my take was, you know, it doesn't take much, and then it make, he makes it worse. But never a bad luck thing. Mm. No, I didn't mind it. I thought it was just taking like a little bit, like a little thing, and then just taking it to the extreme for the gag. But I did love the the setting, and I love the designs, and Paul F. Tompkins is great as Gladstone Gander. He is so good mm-hmm. for that character, and I love him in everything. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with Clifton. I like It's not too much of a stretch for me to, to go with what they wanted to do with Donald in this. I love the designs of this one. I love that they're in the in in the like weird Macau <laughs> Macaw they called it. Right. I like that it's that it's super nighttime and 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 with like like bursts of light and stuff like that. And um, I love Gladstone's design. I lo- I, I love the 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 uh, feather taco meat that's sticking out of his shirt and stuff like that. Like I really really love this episode and uh, and the reveal at the end and everything. I just think like. There's another one I thought was super, super tight. Yeah, this one didn't impress me too much. It was, I, again, I, uh, I kind of did. Uh, Donald was the reason why I didn't really care for this one. Yeah, again, it pulls back from the old DuckTales in which he's stupid lucky. And it was weird to see how his luck got him bad luck, if that made any sense. But I didn't understand that little twist to it because if he's that lucky, why would he be in the situation as such? Even when they explained it, I just didn't understand how his luck would give him that much bad luck to the point that he was in a eternal prison. But it's not bad <laughs> luck is the thing. Like he's living very comfortably. He's just stuck there. Yeah, but, but that's not, <laughs> you know I what I mean? Like I didn't see it's lucky. It's like, even if you're in a, what you call it? A, in, 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 Club Fed, which is a, what uh, for, for white collar criminals, I don't find that lucky. You're still in prison. I I don't disagree, but I but at the same time, I I I don't think that the I I don't think that the show's not playing fair with the information that it tells you either. Like yeah, you know that's why he's there because he's there with basically a guy that's with like like a good luck vampire that's siphoning off of him. You know, and. No, I get the premise. I, I I get how they brought it into it. I just didn't like the Donald being the unluckiest person. I, I like him being the angriest person in the world. I get that, 100%. But I just don't get him being as the the most unlucky. That's what didn't play up to me. I just didn't like that angle that they played for Donald. Ah, oh, you're killing me, Tommy. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move on. So, time out from season one, episode 14. Yes, time out. I like this episode because it deals with Booster. I think Booster is is best used comedically. At least um, every time I see him, whether it's the comic books or, or cartoons. And in this one, I like it because it shows Batman's wrong despite what he's seen and what he's going through. I thought you'd get a kick out of it because, again, it's the buddy cop all over again, but Batman's not the star of this one. It's Booster. And I just like how it plays out. Yeah, it deals with time again and the weird twist of uh, of what they're going through. But I thought you would enjoy that one just because it shows Batman can be infallible in a um, in a different sense. Okay. 
I like bits of this one. <laughs> and I didn't like bits of this one. Okay. Um, I'm with you. I, I, uh, Booster's one of my favorites. I like Booster. I think he's, I think he works, uh, best in a kind of comedic setting. And I like that this one does that and it makes him comedic, but at the same time, it does sort of, um, uh, give him something he's good at. Like, like it's nice seeing Booster to be the expert in a situation, I think, which is cool. Um, I don't like the voice of Booster. I like the guy who plays him very, very much. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, it's Diedrich Bader, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's Diedrich Bader. I like him very, very much. I would have really liked them to go with somebody younger for this. I think some of the slang that comes out of his voice and stuff like that, like I think it would have just sounded better with somebody younger than somebody that's not playing young. You know? I thought the opening with the hive, I think is solved way too quickly and way too easily. And I would have liked to see a little bit more cooperation there. I understand that it's, it's like 10 minutes. It's, it's not, it's not the, it's not the meat of the story. It's not the, it, but it just like, it's solved with a battering. He just throws a battering at it. That's it. Like, stop like it. that was easy. Like, like why does everybody have to be there then? You know, yeah, but it's just, it, well, sure. Um, I think that there is a little bit of sloppiness to the staging here where they have to be sort of like six feet apart. I think that, well, 10 feet, 10 feet apart. apart. I think, I think that, I think that there's a couple of moments like where, where like boosters flying (laughs) where like, I feel like they break that rule. Well, they didn't, then they said that you can be out of that for 10 seconds before it catches up with you. Okay. So you can be more than ten feet away for ten seconds. They established the ground. They're trying to do the groundwork for it before it before tearing it down and him doing his thing. But also, I think it's another way for Booster to have that space to be independent. That's what it was. I mean, to me, it was more of a Booster episode where Batman gets starring. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it to me, it sort of like damn near literally physically separates the two in such a way that it doesn't so that it's. Booster who needs Batman, but Batman who needs Booster. Yeah, I I like I like the sacrifice that he makes in this. I I I like the heartbreaking ending to this a lot. But my main issue with this also is that I feel like uh, um, there is stakes to what's happening, but what they're fighting is kind of boring. You know, and there's nothing really that exceptional. What's good? Like they're fighting. Like Minoc from Star Wars, essentially, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, um, pretty, it's pretty generic. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like Time Wraiths from the Flash show. Yeah, it is something like Time Wraiths from the Flash show. It, to me, I just see that's something that Booster could take care of. That he doesn't need an army to take care of it. It's it's almost like yeah, I, I've done this. Oh, it's a little bit worse than what it is, but I'll figure it out. It it just it made Booster the expert in the room, without question. That's what I liked about it. It's it's just something that he can deal with regardless of how the presentation was or how he got across doing it. It just made it just to me, it just made him seem like he knows what he's doing, despite his immaturity or his childlike mannerism. He's an expert. Right. I like that too. I think it's one of those things where in that episode especially, it's um it's a nice bit inside of what his actual thought processes are. And that, you know, like you said. 
I like the bit about, you know, I'm, I'm the, nobody sets out to be the rat catcher. I'm the guy that's, you know, the Times rat catcher. Yes. Which I thought is a really, is a really clever way of putting it in that episode. I think it's really, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of times it's easy to dismiss him as a character because I think a lot of people do. While, you know, like Tommy was saying, usually he's played as a comic foil or he's, you know, he's teamed up with uh, Ted Core Blue Beetle, which is great stuff. But, you know, people have never read his actual, the Dan Jurgen series they starred in. He was, you know, he was a straight up superhero. There was not a lot of comedy in that book. So it's easy for people just to put him in that box of, oh, he's from that funny Justice League. Yeah. But I think this episode does a really good, uh, you know, gives a really good chance to look at him in the way that he was originally conceived. Yeah. And I like the, like what Clifton mentioned, as far as they look like Minoc. Well, if Minoc were pests, and if he's the rat catcher, he's getting the pest. Right. Yeah, just cleaning up the garbage. There's that. Meh. <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. I went. I went with the Batman episode, and, and I figured that you didn't see it, so right. I played that. No, up. I didn't that's see all. this one. No, that, yeah. you're, you're right though. I this this is not one I had seen before. But if you're a booster friend, it's a nice little not the booster. Yeah, and and there and there is a really cool shot in there where like booster like like ages and comes back like within a couple of seconds, and I was like impressed with with the way that that looked. I thought that that was a. a uh, a cool angle and well done animation wise. Mm-hmm. But I also uh, I also think it's it is it's interesting in that episode the fact that like you said Tommy the idea that that Batman, you know he he's he's a you know he's a jerk at the beginning of it, and then he realizes and makes that turn of like he actually says in the episode, well I'm out of my depth, which is not something yes. which is not something that character says often, <laughs> right. So it was, it, you know, when he realizes he's wrong, that's something that a lot of times I think when you have that situation of the Uber bat in comics or other things, you don't really have that moment of him saying, okay, I can be wrong. I was wrong in the situation. And in the moment, I'm going to turn the corner and be like, all right, you're the expert here. You take care of the situation. Yeah. And he totally yields to booster and yeah. expertise. Totally. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. This, this is just, um, I mean, for me, like, you, you know, you know how like you have, um, like the pill wrapped in the candy shell. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you, you, you have your taste and then you have, you have, you know, your substance also for me, this is kind of re- like reverse where like, I really like the substance. I just hated the taste of this. Like I, I hated this, the setup and, and, and the fighting. And I just thought like, like none of the action really had enough stake for it for me. But anyway, though, I thought I had a lot of heart and, and so I could accept like, I mean, everything else that presented that heart was enough for me. And I just thought just the whole idea of, of Booster being so unappreciated and then being appreciated as it goes on and to the point where at the end again, Batman's not going to appreciate him and Booster's like, oh, like, it's fine. This is what I do. Like, that's enough. Yeah. Right. And that he didn't need the accolades. At the end, he had the momentum from it and that was enough. So in a way, it showed how mature he is far beyond what they all think of him as. Okay, so let's move on. DuckTales. Sky Pirates. Dot, dot, dot. In the sky. Tommy, go. I hated Don Kanaz's voice. Really? Absolutely hated. <laughs> yes. I love the crazy accent he had in Tailspin. I get them enlarging this world making it so that all these Disney cartoons are pushed into DuckTales, which is great. 
I give it credit on that. I give it that for the imagination. But Don Kanaj annoyed the hell out of me. I love the bit where they're singing, where they, they're Broadway pirates or whatever you want to call them. But geez, I hated his voice. Every time he spoke, it just made me wish for the original voice of the, that particular character. That just like you didn't like Diedrich Bader or, <laughs> as Booster, I mm. could not stand the actor who played Don Kanaj. I love the fake accent or whatever the hell accent he had before. This just annoyed me. It felt like a cheap rendition of it. Interesting. The voice strikes again. Uh, this one, I picked this one specifically because it, because it sort of uh, stitches together like, like a Disney shared universe. Yes. Uh, you know, and I know you like Tailspin also, so, so I thought that maybe that you would, uh, you would appreciate this one. For me, um, th- this is the one of everyone that I picked that I didn't have a chance to rewatch because uh, I don't have Disney Plus yet. And uh, this this one was not on my DVR, as it turned out. So <laughs> so I did not get a chance to rewatch this one for for research. But what I did, I love the action sequence at the end uh, with the lighting of it, especially like I love like the, the, the black, dark background and how everything is sort of like red in a, in a in a in a hue of red on top of it. I just I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful looking scene and this was the first episode of DuckTales that like impressed me not, not the first one that impressed me visually the show was always impressive but this was the first one where like the style hit me like in the face you know and I was really really impressed with the stylization of it remember the perpetual what, twilight of the um, episode like the redness it seemed like it was the sun was always setting it just yeah. never went away for like hours yeah I, I really dig how um how you simulate lighting in animation with color and, and you, and you just, you just kind of color every character and you color everything like, like we know Dewey wears blue and we can picture the shade of blue in our head, but they color, they, they, they color shirt a different color. And so to us, it reads blue, but in shading. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm fa- okay. like I'm fascinated so much about that in animation. I love that that shows are are playing with lighting now. What do you think about this, Clifton? I was very excited about the Sky Pirates because I was a huge Tailspin fan, mm-hmm. and and again, like I'm kind of with I'm kind of with Tommy on the voice here. Like this characterization, like just being that I know Don Carnage and was anticipating Don Carnage, and then what we get is just kind of like a goof on Don Carnage. Don Carnage, yes. Uh, I was like, okay. I'm like, I can see it. I'll take it. But it's not exactly what I was hoping for or wanted. The other stuff I like, I do like the Dewey stuff a lot in this episode. And the songs are funny. But oh, yeah. I was just, uh, you know, kind of hoping for something else. But it, I still take what we got. Okay. All right. On to the next. Yes, my turn with... um. The Brain Buster, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That's my next yeah. choice, episode 19. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that a lot. I thought, I like that characterization of um, Holt, Michael Holt. Yes. This is terrific. I, I, don't, I, I don't get enough of him. <laughs> I could eat him all day. As far as, I like the characterization. I love how it's presented. It was funny that I gripe about uh, celebrity actors in DuckTales, but yet I present you with a celebrity voice for uh justice league uh action in which it was the comedian i'm trying to think of his name Campbell Burris. 
Thank you, Hannibal Bears. He's a voice of Mr. Terrific. But I just like how it's played up in which we get the smartest people in the uh, DC universe and the, the little twist as to who the villain is because we don't get him ever, if I can think about that much. But yeah, I definitely love that uh, that one. I thought you'd find a kick out of it from the different uh, people of the DC universe. Okay. Ready? <laughs> yeah, already. Go ahead. I love this one. I absolutely love this one. <laughs> I thought okay. this one was awesome. Okay. I yeah, I I was really impressed with I love I love the prison break bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um uh, again, like like Lex is as as the the you know, always always moves ahead, uh, exemplified by the fact that he's playing multiple games of chess and everything. Similar to like in Red Sun, but I think Red Sun the comic book, I should say, but it's a little bit more believable the way it's done in this. They do love to go to that one. They do. They absolutely. Um, he still is a little goofy in this, but it's fine. Mr. Terrific, I agree with you. Like, you know, it's a character not utilized anywhere near enough as he, as he should be. Mm-hmm. I think I think that there's some real juice to that character. There's there's a lot of potential there. I just love the setup for all of this stuff. It had me guessing. I'm like, I'm like, who's this mystery villain? Like, like is it Brainiac? It's Brainiac, right? It's got to be Brainiac. Like, it's all the smart guys who would want to be smarter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um the music to this was kind of like like Tronny, yeah. To it, yeah. which I thought was really cool. I um, I liked Mister Terrific's flips, <laughs> and it made him very acrobatic, extremely yeah, I like, acrobatic. I like his yeah. flips when he jumped from platform to platform and everything. I thought the reveal was awesome. I thought this one, this one came off as like is like such a great Silver Age plot, and um, and it was yeah, I was really impressed with this one. Really, really impressed with this. So much so that I free I freeze framed the credits because I wanted to see who wrote it. Oh wow! Yeah, who did write it? Uh, so this was a story by uh, Jeffrey Thorne, John Semper Jr., and Rebecca Kaminsky. But Heath Corson did the teleplay. Heath Corson, who wrote uh, Assault on Arkham. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think John Semper Jr. is uh, from. Spider-Man, the animated series in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Clifton Frank, anyone chime in on his exuberant <laughs> love of this episode? Um, I, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite in the entire series, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I, I like it that much. I think it's a really well done plot, trying to bring together you know, heroes and villains that are known for their intelligence. I thought that was really cool. Um, the bit with the flips is nice because it's a nod to the fact that Michael Holt's an Olympic-level athlete and actually competed, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. I'm shocked we're talking about the flip so much. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice subtle bit. It's yeah. Someone who knows a character, which is good. That's what, you know, that's what I always look for in, in something like this is, you know, nods and stuff that people would know. My only issue with it was the end plot was the idea of, um, of Mr. Mind. I'm giving away the, the ending of it. Spoil it for you. Sorry. No, that's fine. But uh, just the idea that there's a point early on, like the way I thought it was, what I thought it was, was a very, it was a more obscure, um, Green Lantern villain, I thought it was like this character called IQ, which is basically a character that's similar to the rest of them. Like he's basically genius level intelligence, that kind of thing. You know, a lot of almost MacGyverish type moves in the moment with, with fighting heroes. Mr. Mind, I always thought was more about mind control as opposed to being super intelligent. I could be wrong, but I, you know, that was the impression that I always had about it. Otherwise, I think it's, like I said, it's probably the strongest episode for me. It's probably my favorite of all of them. No, this one had a lot of fun bits. I did like the tests, the worlds, everything, and it and there was mystery of trying to figure out like 
okay, who is behind this? And, and since we already revealed it's Mr. Mine, like that was a fun surprise because I'm just happy to see anybody use, utilize him in a fun or cool way because it's just like he's just such a fun, goofy little character, but like I love seeing him. Yeah, I thought this one made like really great use of time too. And it like it had twists and turns and, you know, everybody is like, like nobody deviates from like, like their core truth of who they are also in this, in, in this episode. Yeah, I was really impressed with this one. So okay. good pick, Tommy. Good pick. <laughs> and the last line is really good too. Yes, it is very good. The fact that it loops around the beginning of something Batman says almost to the point of like Batman being again, being arrogant, <laughs> comes around to bite him in the ass at the end of it. Oh yeah. I am noticing though that you think I like Batman so much that you picked almost all Batman episodes. Oh no, to me this was a Mr. Terrific episode. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. But but you do like Batman that much. I do like yes, Batman. You- <laughs> that much. Okay. But yes. I like other things also. Okay. Sometimes. This is just a this was just a favorite of mine, that's all. No, I no, it's a great it's a favorite of mine too. It was a really good one. Really, really good. I'm 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 happy I'm happy you you sent me this one because I'm happy I saw it. You know. I feel more fulfilled having seen it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're at season two now of DuckTales. This is episode six. This is last Christmas. Okay. This one I liked. This one I like. It was clever. I like how it played out. Uh, I like how you get, he's the embodiment of screws, but not really until you get to reveal that he actually loves Christmas. Uh, uh, that one. Uh, and then the twist at the ending of him dooming his, um, the person that, um, was villainous or the villainous character in this particular episode. This one was nice. And I, I even like the um the variation on the theme to be more Christmassy. Did, who was singing that theme song? Oh, in the beginning? Yeah. So they, they you talking about like the like the Tony Bennett sounding yeah, version. Exactly, of the- yeah. <laughs> well no, yeah, but it was no, a nice I, touch. that was one of the things that like I had forgotten all about that until I rewatched it. I'm like, oh yeah, like they did like re record the song for this. Yeah. And they that put was like definitely the, nice and they put like the snow overlay. Yes. On top of it, yeah, which so like right from the beginning, it kind of feels like, um, like like old Christmas specially, right? It's like it's like a primetime Christmas special. Yes, yes. I know. I enjoyed that. this one. I enjoyed a lot. It was, it wasn't as grandiose as the other one. It was very simple. You get to get staying ahead of Scrooge, in which we don't ever get, as far as what makes him happy, what he what what he finds enjoyable. Uh, you know, set aside from his family and things of that nature. And then we get a glimpse of um, um, Donald as kids with his uh, sister, Della. It, it was just, it was just a nice, a nice nod to, um, to Scrooge and basically a little bit, uh, a peek into his past that we don't really get to see. So no, this one I enjoyed a lot. I had no real gripes about this one. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I got one in at least. Yeah. yeah you but got, like, you got th- one this in. one also for me does in, in addition to like, I love Christmas episodes. You know, if you listen to our first episode, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I picked two Christmas issues for my favorite single issue. Um, but this one also does something that I really, really love in animation. And I love that when animation gives us a familiar setting that's changed. Right. So, like, I yeah. love seeing the, the mansion decorated for Christmas. I love seeing the outside of the mansion because this this whole episode essentially kind of takes place like there, there there's you know, McDuck Manor and we're kind of like in the wooded area, like right next to it. Yeah. You know? They never leave the area. It's almost yeah. like it was a, 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 a box episode or whatever in which they never leave the same setting ever. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. 
yeah. pretty much just we just see different times which yes. which is interesting i like all the christmas tropes in here you know dewey getting to hang out with his mom and i also like the the i don't want to talk too much because i want to want to leave some stuff for like frank and clifton to talk about but i like also that the time travel stuff is fun that like you it does you do you do get to see donald at the end and you and and like he remembers this yes I also like seeing Donald, uh, like grunge Donald with a Nirvana shirt, which cracked me up also. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think? Um, I, my, for me, it's, I, I like the idea of the fact that when you think about Mickey's Christmas Carol and the fact that, you know, obviously Scrooge McDuck is Scrooge <laughs> in it. And the idea that this sort of, you know, gives you the bit of not really flipping on its head so much as the fact that it's just cool to see him in the role, but not in the role. I guess. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Like you have the expectation that he's going to be the Scrooge that you know right. from that. Right. Exactly. And then, he's not. and then he's not. Right. Exactly. That's what you're supposed to think from, I thought, from Mickey's Christmas Carol. And then no, he's right. not. Yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was nice. You know, you know, you have the expectation that they circumvent that. Yeah. No. And I, and, and I like sort of like the callback to things that you saw earlier in the episode through like the scarf and the sweater that Donald is, is wearing. And, you know, and I, I like, I, I like also the way that the, the the ghost of Christmas past and present are sort of like that they that they are completely in their in their viewpoints embodying what they mean. We're like the ghost of Christmas present at one point says like I live in the present. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, when he's when he's hitting on when he's hitting on that woman. <laughs> I really like that stuff, and 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 the and the stinger on this too. I really really loved with his mom on the moon. You know. Right. Yeah. No. Thank you for that one. I definitely right. enjoyed. I definitely enjoyed that episode. Okay. <laughs> no, we got one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Finally, we have one. We got I one. Concede. Um, I did like the end credits to this too. Like Frank, like you were saying, Mickey's Christmas Carol. And I liked that the end credits, like they made it look like Mickey's Christmas mm-hmm. Carol, which is also yeah. No, I think I think this is my favorite one of the series. Going back and watching it. Okay. Good. Um. Shockingly, that it's not a Louis episode because I also found out when I was watching it, it wasn't intentional. But I'm like, man, I really like Louis. Turns out, <laughs> as I was watching these, wow, the swindler, you like him the most. Apparently, I didn't wow. realize that. <laughs> but yeah, okay. all right, all right. Captain Bamboozle, season one, episode twenty-five. So twenty-five uh, A, I will say. Okay, there's a bit miscommunication on my behalf on what I, I wanted you to watch the episode. In which it wasn't Captain Bamboo, but I'm glad you did. Did you see the second half was supposed to be keeping up with the Kardashians? Yeah. Okay. That was what I should have put down, but I'm glad you watched both. Did you want to talk about Bamboozle or the Kardashians? Because I prefer to talk about the Kardashians. Kryptonians. Okay. I mean, no, Kryptonians. Yeah, I mean, we can, <laughs> I mean, do you just want to skip this one or do you want to, or do you want to do this one quick? Uh, we can, I, I like a, uh, excuse me, Captain Marvel episode. So it was good that it paired with that one. But I really wanted you to see the keeping up with the Kryptonians episode just because of the time that we made this um, agreement, Red Sun came out. Right. And it was a little bit of a, a way to in, push that particular uh, DC story into it without uh, blowing it up or going into great detail using Mixel Spitlick as yeah. a, a villain. That's why I wanted you to watch this one. So really quick about this one. I like that, that it's a, is a Shazam centric episode. Um, you mean with Captain Bamboozle? Yeah. Okay. I, I, 
I'm going to say something I think you guys will never thought you would ever hear me say, but I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, does Batman and Wonder Woman need to be in every single one? Do they need to <laughs> yes. be used so much? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, yes. And, this is, and this is the one episode that made me realize something about the show and everything. And, and, and again, I get why you would do it because it's great, but do we need so many callbacks to other things in DC animated history? Like Gilbert Gottfried as Mixie, who is he's fantastic. I'm not, like I'm not saying anything negative about his performance, but he played him in Superman, right? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean. And we have Kevin Conroy back as Batman. And we have Sean Astin as Shazam, and he's played him in, in I think Justice League War, I believe. Um, and there's so many like, almost like casting shorthands. Right. I think you know what I mean. And again, like you know, the Tim stuff is great, and you know a lot of a lot of the. A lot of the stuff in the DC animated movies are great. Sean Astin is awesome. It's just, it's just funny to me that I'm like, it, 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 it so calls back so much. I think. I don't think you want to alienate anyone, you know, who may want to get into this, who watch the other shows, and it's kind of a, you know, knowing, oh well, I, I know these voices or I know these characters and I know the people that are doing them, so, you know, it might just be easy enough to have that be the reason why so many times they want to call stuff back or it might just be they like working with the actors but i mean i see what you're saying i just it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you i just thought it was a pull since the short since the episodes are so short didn't have to do really a casting call they just had that they just picked who they knew could do the voice and had the experience call them in for a short set and then they roll out that's yeah, I mean, but that's the thing to me, and like you know, and 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 I don't want to demean anybody's work on on, on anything like that, but it's but it, it it makes the show feel so rushed to me. For that reason, you know, what, it's like Bat, like Kevin Conroy's Batman. Of course, why would we get anybody else? You know what I mean? And I think that the judging from the design, which is a big thing for me, is like, does the voice look like it's coming out of that design? This Batman design is one where like you could have gone with somebody else. I think. And, and, and I, and I don't think people would have been upset, you know, yeah. or maybe they would have. <laughs> I just felt that this was a one of, I didn't expect this to have like a five season run or anything to that nature. I just want, I just thought it was a window into the eye of the DC universe in which they try to use the, uh, uh, the appearance of, uh, Batman versus super, or what was it? Justice league movie. Because this is sort of paired up with it. Every time we get to see a movie, we have to see a cartoon that resembles what's out on the big screen. I just right. saw it as them assembling people in a short amount of time for a very short cartoon and then be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I say it. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't put much credence into uh, the voice actors or who they chose because each one, you're right, each one was a callback to, uh, uh, except in some cases of a. Uh, person who already voiced or did something for DC earlier, mm -hmm. uh, whether it was Gilbert Godfrey or James Woods, regardless of the time frame, if they're available, they did it and they used the character and it was yeah. done. But, you know, I will say, I think Sean Astin is very good at playing uh, a childlike character. And I thought, and I thought what was interesting is that he, I could be wrong about this. I'm just thinking about it off the top of my head. I think he may be the first guy in animation to actually voice shazam and billy batson probably mm, and probably. i think you know, i do think he did a very good job with that right mm -hmm. yeah you know and it, and you know it was cool seeing a shazam focused thing that had so much uh of his lore in history 
built in it because he's a character I think is also, despite the fact that he had a major motion picture, you know, I still mm-hmm. think he's underutilized. I really do. Sure. Okay. You know, so, okay. So do you want to go to, to the DuckTales or do you want to do the keeping up with the Kryptonians, which is the one that, that, uh, you, you really wanted us to watch. Kryptonians. Okay. what do you think of, uh, the use of, um, Superman, Red Sun and, um, I'm not sure about, yeah, actually, yeah, uh, uh, a mod, uh, more of a trendier take on Supergirl. Yeah, this this one, um, this one messed with my head a little bit because the first time you see Supergirl in this in this episode, it's like the redesigned Supergirl for the alternate take on her. Yeah, and I was like, that's an interesting design. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you know, and of course the title keeping up with the Kryptonians, like I knew what it was referencing in it, but then I'm hearing like Supergirl's performance and I'm like, okay, that's an interesting thing. Like they're making her kind of, you know, Valley girlish a little bit, a little Kim Kardashian, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, I, I love the red sun, the the Kaznia, you know, Superman, the Kaznia sun, Superman design. I thought that one was really, really cool. This one played with me and and I was impressed that sort of you get, uh, you get sort of the gimmick that the show is doing kind of halfway through it. Mm-hmm. You know? I just thought it was very clever. The Twilight Zone bit is awesome. I love the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know how much you love the Twilight Zone. That's why I threw that in there. Yeah. This is another one, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was impressed. Like, I underestimate how, to, how much story they could pack in, in one episode. Mm-hmm. Sometimes and I was really impressed with how dense this one um, felt. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like this one. I, the, the, I'm, I'm a little puzzled about like, what's the lesson here? I feel like they appreciated Smallville already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's my one thing about it. Um, but I do sort of like that, that in, in, in those moments, like, like all good else worlds do like red sun. It's like, you know, they're, um, their true nature kind of shines through. Okay. Anyway, I think, yeah, I think that that's really cool. And it's another really small thing. Like when they're in Smallville and they're kind of like eating, eating like the blueberry pie, like on the porch. Like I love the way Supergirl's sitting on the bench with like her legs crossed. Crossed, It's just so teenagery. Yeah. The depiction was very nice. Yeah. I like this one too. I like the nod to Red Sun. I think that, you know, for shorthand, especially for the amount of time that they're given, you know, to manage to make it be like, yep, this is what it is. This is the concept. We don't really need to go in depth to, you know, the hows and whys. It's basically out there, and the fact that they tie it to a, a Twilight Zone type idea, and the fact that it's you know it just rolls, and you're supposed to roll with it, and then you're like, well, obviously things aren't right because this isn't Superman, Supergirl that we know. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's always fun to have Booster, so I was glad to see Booster again. So that was good. Overall, I liked the episode quite a bit. Clifton. I actually haven't seen this one. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Okay. I thought I had, and then it turned out to be a different one. No, no worries. <laughs> the one I okay. thought I saw. Okay. Did you think you saw the one with like Zod? Yes. And her, yeah, that's what I thought this one was. That's what I thought it was going to be by title and was like, I saw that one. Okay, yeah. I can talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, but it was not that one. No, it was not. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, we had the same, the same thought process for it. Okay. So we're going to wrap up with our last one. Mm-hmm. The Outlaw Scrooge McDuck, season two, episode nine. Yeah, I rolled my eyes at this one. Okay. At, at no point did I feel surprised. The introduction of Jira Duck into it, 
being that he used it with wood is like ugh, it made me groan so much so often. Um, I get that it's a western, but it didn't have to be a flashback take on what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. It felt like it felt very lazy. Not the, uh, in fact, of the choices that you picked, I probably hated this the most. Okay, <laughs> just because it was like <laughs> this could have been done in the eighties. It just it, it it just could have been funner. Uh, the villain didn't care for it. How it resolved itself, really. Uh, this is their introduction of Goldie. Oh no, actually, it wasn't their introduction of Goldie, but uh, it's just it felt slow. It it, it didn't feel clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, <laughs> nothing about this felt good to me. E- even the introduction of the of the uh, time tub, which is also pulled from the eighties cartoon. It's like really you're just gonna throw that out there, mm. and then you're gonna I, get. That's one of the things I loved about this, though. That like that that time tub thing is just like in the background. <laughs> yeah, for a little while. <laughs> for a little, just, yeah. You know, they go to jail, and it's like, oh, look, like, like this guy is like trapped in in the wild west. But it like, doesn't. But I don't get why he was there. I mean, usually because th- you didn't continue with the series. <laughs> After seeing this in my introduction to it, it just I was like, why? Like, it, I get. I, I if, it, if it was a payoff later on, great. But at the time that I saw it, I was like, so what do you go back there for? Like, he en- ends up helping Scrooge, but at no point does explain, like, why the hell are you in the West? Right. Okay. So that was one of the reasons why I picked it for you is because I, I, I thought that you would have picked up on like, okay, like this, there, there's a, this is a setup for something. Oh, no, I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I thought I, I, I didn't think that it would have felt out of place for you. Ah, So so I misjudged that one. Okay. It is jarring though. And it's meant to be jarring. I'll say that. No, it is. Because you have to continue with it. Like it is, it is even, even having watched every episode, when you get to that moment, you're like, huh? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I didn't like this one at all. Okay. This it, one is, is just, like, I can't, I don't know why. I can't explain it. This one just is so much fun for me. It's, it's a weird combination of things that, that, like, are strange references to make in the time period that they're working with. And yet, for some reason, I think it works. Like, the fact that Jeeves is, like, an odd job in Jaws. Amalgam. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, why are they referencing Bond for a Western? But I'm like, <laughs> all right, it's cool. I like it. <laughs> and then his turn, just at that moment, where it makes him feel like, yeah, you should be helping us. And he just does it. I uh, was like, but I, li- I like that part, though. Odd job would never do that. Old job would choke him out. But he's not like, odd job. Yeah, I get it. And it's, not, and it's not 007. <laughs> I get it. But it's just like, yeah, sure, because they have to win, and this is how they're going to win. That's what I like about that scene is that when Scrooge turns Jeeves, it's like in that moment, Scrooge is displaying. He's one step ahead. Um, he's observant. He's a quick study of other people. Uh, and in that moment, it's, he's, he's displaying some compassion also. So I think it, it's a quick moment, but it's a very dense um, display of his characterization in that moment. No, I, I get that. I just, eh, meh. I just, I just, it just, it just, I was like, sure, whatever. It, it just didn't feel, I just didn't like it. Okay. It's not like, it's not like with, um, 
last Christmas, which I feel that better. I felt that was better portrayed then when he um deals with the villain in that episode. Right. This is like to me, it felt like he's begging. Oh man, come on, man. He sucks. Just help us. That's <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. Okay. That's I all. like the characterization of Goldie in this also. I like the ending and 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 what's weird about this one is that this is a moment where like Louie perpetually is like learning his lesson and then not at the same time. But I kinda like the wishy washiness of of his character where like it's taking a while for him to 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 um understand Scrooge's way. Right? What I like about this is that all three of the kids is, are in some way a distillation of a piece of Scrooge's personality. You know what I mean? And I like the ending of this one because I like that it, it just shows it like that, that, you know, as much as Louis learned, he still has a lot to learn. Okay. Okay. You know, am I alone on that one? Or are you guys, Frank Clifton, what do you think? I have not seen this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't comment. I mean, the problem with this is I, I was into it the first season. I watched most of the first season, and then for whatever reason, it, it got moved around in the schedule, uh-huh. and my DVR didn't didn't catch it. And then, as of like last, I guess Saturday, or so season three, I have episodes for that, and I'm like, well, I haven't seen the other episodes, <laughs> so what good is it? Why are you recording this now? Yeah, mm. it's one of the ones I missed and just haven't got to yet. No, I'll, I'll echo what you what you're saying too. Yeah, for some reason, my DVR was I had to be very active for season two to find it and record it. Cause even though I had it set up on my DVR to record it as a series and it's, and I would check the setting and it'd be like, yeah, yeah, we got DuckTales as a series for you to record and it would never pop up. But, um, but I liked the show's first season enough to kind of like to put in that kind of work. And I thought, I actually thought season two was a lot better than season one, actually. Oh, I plan to check it out now. It's on, um, it's on Disney Plus. I plan to check it out. It just was one of those things where I was kind of, you know, there's too much. We've talked about it plenty of times. There's so much to watch and so much to take in. I, I don't. I don't feel like if it, it, you know, it's as simple as program my, my DVR. It should work to get the episodes. Clifton, any last words or anything? I mean, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the Wild West. I enjoy always seeing the different places, in the world traveling, or even the time traveling that they do in the Ducktales shows. And I didn't necessarily need any explanation for. For gyro being there i just thought it was funny i just thought there were some funny gags with it but that's about all i remember okay all right so i guess with that like we should just start wrapping up but really quick like i thought this was a fun show i thought this was cool it was a nice introduction to something that that we may not be into that we go actually really quick we should we should say this first tommy did we bring you around um unbeknownst to you I had two other brothers and a friend that was telling me about the show. Okay. So it it just gave me an excuse to finally peel the layer off and just see it. And after last Christmas, I watched a little bit more. And there was one particular episode that that I saw after we watching the rest of season one that really appealed to me and made me think that, hmm. Maybe I should turn the corner and see what else they have developing for this. And I forget the name of the episode, but it was the one where um, Beakley and Scrooge flashback to being um, secret agents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for whatever one. reason. Yes, but what made it great for me was 
the obscure reference to gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny how they presented it and even went as to the detail of the gummy berry juice recipe in the episode, which I thought was great as hell. Okay. That turned the corner and made me continue watching the series as a whole to the point that I'm current. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Up, to, no up to the end of season two, yeah. not season three yet, which just premiered as, yeah. of, as of recording. Wow. Oh, no, I'm current. Uh, so you're, you're ahead all. of all of us. Yeah. Now. Yes. Yeah. I'll see you <laughs> all. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 <laughs> I was expecting a no. The way that this was going, I really did. <laughs> oh no, you for some I, I get why you like those episodes, but you're looking at it at a, for me, you're looking at it a lens in which you you have no um point of reference. knowledge, point point of reference to what they interject. Like, for example, Doofus, his portrayal in this is different from the original incarnation. Mm-hmm. It it there's so many gems or um Easter eggs from the original series in which they turn it just a bit in order for you to uh, appreciate on another level. Like with Magic of the Spell. If you're going to have the dime, you're going to have Magic of the Spell. Glomgold, they made him maniacal. I don't, I, I love, I have a love-hate relationship with the character Glomgold. I like that he's there, but this craziness is so absurd that it's almost, no, it's definitely enjoyable. And there's one episode that spotlights him that I found really funny. Uh, I I guess they played it to the uh, voice actor and allowed him to be who he was. Mm -hmm. And then they changed the origins to Glombo. They gave a little bit more fleshed out uh, versions, oh, not fleshed out, excuse me. That more dimension to the characters that that we never got in the first go round, right? Yeah, so I, I they're deep dive for certain things. We hell, we even get Bubba Duck and um the genie at one point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and oh my gosh! And then there's this the the I want to say the season finale for Ducktales. Will you have Don Cheadle as the voice of <laughs> Donald Duck? Yeah, it, it's just. Yeah, it's the just, season one finale, yeah. Yeah, it's just so absurd and funny. Yeah. But it works for what they needed to accomplish there. And the way they infuse new characters works with who the personalities of the characters we already get. But as much as you love Louis, I hate Louis. Right. <laughs> Louis's the worst. <laughs> Louis is damn near six degrees of a villain himself. Sure. And I like to see that turn. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get it. No, I wouldn't be either. That's the thing. And I like, I like, that's what I like about it is that, is that those three are still in play somehow. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Okay, cool. Yeah. And for the record, the episode that turned Tommy around is titled from the confidential case files of agent 22. It was yes. season one, episode 17. Yeah. I thought that'd be the James Bond pull. The, the when they effing through gummy bears and made them bounce that had me laughing also lots of references to the prisoner in that episode yes 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 which was like what 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 are we getting yes and they pull and you don't know where they're pulling it from until there's a scene or statement within the episode 
that gives it. In fact, there's a lot more stuff that uh, we'll talk about later. Yeah, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I'm to hear all of this because so you got into it, just oh, not with any it. of the episodes I picked. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> had you had you started with that uh episode Clifton just referenced, I'd have been done. Okay. I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm holding <laughs> I'm a seatbelt and just ready to go, man. Interesting. Okay, so we'll get so yeah, and so for me. Uh, I was wrong about Justice League action. I think I think that it, I was really nervous about the eleven minute um, uh, mini movie um, uh, format for it, and um, I was shown that like yeah, you can do a lot in there, and, and you know, and I'm and I'm a fan of shows that do that make a make a lot of good use out of eleven minutes, like Doug. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> okay, on back to Doug. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it is one of those things like I like I, I'm, I'm disappointed that uh, I don't think the show really got a fair shake, not just for me, but I don't think I, I think um, I feel like almost Cartoon Network didn't give it a fair shake either. Like, I wish they were still making it is the thing. Um, I, but that's the thing. I don't think it was meant to. Right. Um, they stopped at, uh, ironically, 52 episodes. I don't think it was very ironic, but I think they did that on purpose. Uh, the reference that they made, especially with what was going on in the DCU, I don't think we'll ever get that again. I don't think we'll get those designs again. I know you guys are happy because we won't get the Superman onesie anymore. Um, yeah, thank God. Um, I'm sure they'll go with different voice actors. I think it was uh, uh, a, bond, a fond farewell. And, and if you look to it, there's a couple of episodes from former writers on the show. Like Paul Denny does the uh, uh, Swamp Thing episode mm. with um, oh, that's cool. um, Poison Ivy you catch that cool so okay. yeah i think it was like a thank you thank you for what you contribute to from this point forward we're going to create something new that's my hopes in in the next justice league episode or our incarnation of the young character okay well all right then so uh like i was saying before though i i, th- I think this is a fun episode to do and it's kind of fun to force uh some of us to watch something that we may not have gone uh into so um do we, do we want to do this again? Does anybody have a challenge that they want to throw out to anyone? So, uh, Zach, I, you know, I, I pushed Dan Harmon stuff on you in the form of community plenty of times. I think, and this is, I, I would like to challenge you to, to, to check out some Rick and Morty. Uh, I pushed that on you since it started. I think you would enjoy it. I'm not really sure what your hesitation is. Okay. But I, I, I think, you know, how many episodes are we choosing? You want to do the same? You want you want to do five or or we can do five or six, either, either or, one. Okay, all right. So so I watch I watch Rick and Morty. I'll pick five or six for you. Okay, I'm gonna you give have... you then uh, a show that I desperately want to do a spotlight episode for. So uh, I hope that I hope that you come around to it. Uh, I'm gonna give you Cowboy Bebop. All right, deal, deal, cool. done, done. All right, sounds good. So that's the next all one. Right. All right, done and done. Okay, awesome. All right, so um, let's close out then really quick. So uh, I just want to remind all you guys listening out there to check out our website at letmenowhowitis.com where you can find all of our past episodes and also some notes that we put up that contain links and examples of some of the things that we talk about for each episode. Also, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash letmenowhowitis and follow us on Twitter at our show initials L-M-K-H-I-I. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be safe out there, okay? And we will see you next time.